Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. And with us right now, we've got Bill Coletti. Bill, you're the founder and CEO of Kith on the web at kith.co. Thanks so much. for. And by the way, Kith is spelled K-I-T-H. It's not Mike Tyson saying Kith. It's kind of like Mike Tyson saying kiss. It, it is. <laughs> I'd like to kith you. <laughs> well, where did the name get behind the name when you're ready to hear it? Yeah, yeah. No, tell us where did the name come from? So the, the you may be familiar with the word kin. I'm going to go visit my kin folk. Huh? But in old English, there's a phrase where on a Friday afternoon, you and I would say, what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to visit my kith and my kin. My kin are my family, but my kith are those original friends that taught you sophisticated habits, whether it's try out for the National Honor Society, try out for the soccer team, whatever that is, smoke under the bleachers, whatever those things were, because your kith has as much impact on you as your kin in sort of making you the man or woman that you are today. Yeah. That's all right. I like it. Now, how did you, now you spent some time in Orlando. uh, No, is that where you went to school? I went to school at Florida State in Tallahassee. Oh, terrific, terrific. And so uh, now you are in uh, in Texas. And uh, how how do you like Texas compared to Florida? You know, I miss the water, but there's a great lake here that I can sail on. So that's good. Um, it's a lot, a little bit hotter. Um, but, you know, you always miss home. I, I love Florida. I got a f- soft spot for Florida. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how did you get into uh, the field of, so what Kith does is a lot of reputation management, a lot of crisis communications. Uh, and I'm very, very excited to chat about those two subjects. Uh, but, but how did you find yourself in, in this uh, arena? So starting as early as high school, I was really involved in politics and I ran campaigns the first half of my career. And so did that up until around 2000. And then the second half from 2000 on to now was transferring the skill sets of running a political campaign to doing that for a corporation. And when you think about a political campaign, you're just trying to have one less crisis than the other guy or create crises for the other guy. And so we got really good. Uh, at doing that. So we applied the campaign skill sets into a corporate context. And now we just exclusively do it for corporations. You know, I'm not going to name names, but you know, in, in, in the world of PR, which we've done a lot of, I've done one political campaign. It was so much fun, but I know that it can suck your soul. Uh, And uh, I used to tell people that the worst thing you can say in an interview is no comment. I, I no longer say that because of the the mess that we were. So our client's uh, uh, opponent was he was doing a lot of shady stuff for a lot of years, and he was just kind of good old boy network. Really, never got called out on it. Sure. Uh, technically, not illegal, but definitely, come on, that that's scummy. Um, so we got some reporters connected in on what the guy was actually doing. And, you know, we had to 
it was a little complicated. So we had to really kind of break it down and explain it to him and like, no, this is exactly what he's doing. And so uh, the best moment was in, 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 in my TV work that I've ever done for a client was we got this petite little reporter, probably 25 years old. Uh, and so she's interviewing this stodgy old white dude, been in politics for 30 years, 40 years. And so she starts asking him questions about this little shady housing thing that he was doing on the side with his family members. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets really agitated. And, uh, and, and she presses him on it and I'm like, oh, you go. And then, so he's like, all right, that's it. And so, you know, when someone's like wired up and and you're their lavalier microphones underneath their shirt. So he spends like, he's like, he spends like 20, 30 seconds. This interview is over. And he's like trying to get this microphone off and he's getting red in the face. And then, and she's just standing there with the microphone. She kind of looks at the camera, like, (laughs) I can't believe what's going on right now. And she's, you know, still trying to like, keep him focused on answering the question. He's like, I'm not answering. And he's like storms off. The camera, thankfully, wasn't wired in. So, like, so they actually follow him through the hallways as he's storming off into his office, slams the door in her face. She turns around and looks at the camera with her microphones, like, I guess he doesn't want to answer any questions. So, uh, and, and so to my client, I'm like, cut it. That's all, all you got to do is just take that news, that news story and run that on social. You got it. There, yep. There's no way you're going to, this is yours to lose at this point. Sure enough, he, he upsetted someone, an, up, an upset victory guy, again, beat a 24 year incumbent. It was that in a, central Florida. Where was that? Seminole County. I'm sorry. I'm starting to get a little warmer on who it is. Like I feel uncomfortable because I don't want anyone coming to kill me. All good. <laughs> in the we'll, do that. The we'll do that when the recording's off. No, it's all good. I'm with yeah. you. I'll tell you, this. I'll tell you the adjacent story. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> yeah, please. I'm sure you've got some amazing stories of, of that, spending that. Yeah, so you time. created a crisis. Yes. And, and they, the opponent had to deal with oh, a crisis. Dealt with we it horribly. Into a Could corporate not have home. dealt with it any worse. Yeah. So we and do I that think in it, was his, it was his arrogance. That, that kept him from recognizing that, listen, it doesn't matter how long in your position or who you are, like you still have to be, you still have to account to the people, you know, and you still have to be ethical and your perception of what things look like, even if in his mind, he didn't think he was doing anything wrong, his arrogance led it to believe, oh no, I'm doing everything wrong right now. Yeah. Insert United Airlines with Dr. Oh, Dash. Insert BP with Deepwater Horizon. Um, insert, you know, JP Morgan, fill in the blank. He, that you just said. So we now just do, we do that, but we do it now in a corporate context. Mm, mm. All right. So what, in, in terms of clients that you work with today, would, would you mind sharing, by the way, you have a, a very prestigious book of business. Would, would you mind sharing maybe a few clients that you've had the opportunity to work with and, and kind of what that's been like for you? Yeah, so we've been with Kith six years now. We're in our heading into our sixth year as a firm, and then I ran a global crisis practice at a big PR firm. Um, and so we've had the opportunity in Kith to work with some great companies, Cargill, particularly their animal protein business, uh, American Express, the College Board. Uh, the one that we're really fond of is the Master Court of Sommeliers. And so if you mm-hmm. saw the movie Psalms, the guys that do the 
the, uh, the wine tasting, uh, yeah. those guys. Uh, Estelor Luxottica, which is the eyeglass manufacturer. Uh, there's some gaming company called Rally Cry. So yeah, we've done some Shell as a current client, Home Depot. Wow. So yeah, we've got some great, great clients. We're really proud of what we've built. How did you, um, you know, obviously you had a background, um, you know, where you had a good reputation mm-hmm. and then, so you're working with, um, you know, a, a pretty prestigious firm for a while. Um, how did you make the transition to uh, going independent again with, with Kith? Yeah. So, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm not the first entrepreneur to say that. I didn't wake up as a 10 year old and say, I want to be an entrepreneur and run a paper route. I just sort of stumbled into it. Yeah. Um, so we were at, a, at this big firm. Our, our firm got acquired by a larger firm. Our leadership team took over the larger firm and it just culturally wasn't right. We went from 150 or so people to 3000 and I just Ooh. didn't want to manage wow. that environment and, and we were publicly traded. So there's all those downward pressure. And then, um, got passed over for a senior leadership opportunity, a, a greater role than, than I had, had had at the time. And I just said, I got to go do something different. Yeah. And I didn't want to go get another job. Um, I was pretty hard to employ already then. Now I'm kind of a feral cat, so I probably can't ever get employed. <laughs> so the necessity of starting my own thing is I had a, took a couple clients with me and just basically just traded time for money in those early days um, and lived on about you know $12,000 a month and then have now grown it into an agency. Um, and wow. so we're, we're, it's it was sort of classic. A lot of people that I know have done that, left a big firm, took a couple clients, incubated it, and then hit a couple forks in the road. And I made the right choices each step of the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, when you were, when you went, you know, you said, listen, I, this isn't working for me. Um, did you already have um, some, a network where you're like, listen, I, I'm just going to, you know, kind of burn the ships right now. I'm going to build my own thing here. Did you already have a book of business that you were able to jump into pretty quickly? Yeah, I made a I made a, a, a lack of courage move right in that intervene, intervening time where I went to join into a partnership with some mm-hmm. guys um, because I really lacked the courage to do it on my own, uh, being very candid. And that lasted about 10 months. And we just were not aligned philosophically. We weren't aligned around how we want to approach customer service. We weren't aligned on how we want to go to market. Um, And so that was kind of a 10-month waste of time. And then I made a step and did take a couple clients with me. um, And that was the the starting place of Kith. And that's where I got born. But my immediate step from big firm to quasi-entrepreneurship was actually joining a partnership. Um, that was a little bit of a mistake. I needed, mm-hmm. I should have, should have put the parachute on and jumped. Um, but I, I just sort of jumped off a footstool instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, and then what do you do? Do you, do you mind sharing? Like, what do you, how did, how did you acquire um, some of the amazing clients that, that you've been able to work with? Yeah. So we, so we do content marketing, we do webinars, we do all kind of this classic um, things that we're supposed to do in this sort of modern age of digital marketing. The reality is we did a study of all of our past, like 50 past clients that we've had. Um, 90% came from referrals and they just either lawyers or, or partners or allies, former employees, former colleagues, uh, former clients, all cross referring. So we have grown really, really based on referrals Um, which is wonderful, but it is remarkably finite. Uh, It is my, my, my list of people I know is finite. You can count it. 
Uh, hopefully it's big, but it's, uh, but it's a very finite list. So we, we've gotten here where we are, um, not because of any amazing content marketing or any amazing of that social stuff that we're all supposed to be doing, but I've gotten here because of referrals. Yeah. Wow. So um, how does one get themselves in that position where they can get so much business just from referrals? Yeah. I mean, you said it earlier, I've been blessed with a great career. I mean, I've had an amazing career from the first campaigns that we ran. Um, I've been a good friend to clients. I've been a good friend to competitors. Um, I try to be really generous with my time, with my talent, with my treasure. Um, And so um, I don't have any secret recipe, but I think I do good work. And when people call and ask me for something, I try to be generous in response. Yeah. Whether that's a job recommendation or a brainstorming session or a, a what if, or, um, and the meter's not always running. So clients call and say, Hey man, I know we're not paying you for this, but you have a, do you have a perspective on this? And no. I'm like, whatever. I, I give it away all the time. I give away probably more than we sell. You know, it's the, you know, for, for higher level clients though, it is absolutely the right way to do business as opposed to, you know, well, if you want to engage with me, everything's gated or there's just a wall, uh, you know, and you make it difficult or you, you create a lot of friction to engage with you. It should be, <laughs> it should be more friction to not engage with you. Uh, you know, and it should be just this, you know, this trust, right? And so if, if, if they, if someone feels like you just trust them and you're just there because for you, you want the outcome for them. And, the revenue is just, the money is just a formality. Me so, getting paid? Well, yeah, of course I'm going to get paid for my work, but listen, what I'm more excited about is this outcome that we can do together. Absolutely. I think that, that has something to do with it. It does. And it, and it, 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 I use the word intimacy and some people bristle at the word intimacy in a, in a professional context, but no, we, these are what we do is pretty high stakes. A lot of people need me to be my best when they're at their worst. And I'm very empathetic and, and empathy is a big part of intimacy. And so we really just, we really care. And I care about the people that we work for. We've, we have the luxury of being choosy, um, which is nice. But the next big question, particularly for what you do and the folks that listen and, and really learn from you is scale. Mm. It's hard to be intimate and to care at that level of connectivity 24-7 because you still, to a certain extent, are trading time for money and scale becomes a great challenge. Mm -hmm. That's where I live right now. I live in, I live at the intersection of intimacy and scale. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, and, 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 you know, our own, and I'm, I'm going to ask you about your your own, um, ser- you know, kind of the services that you provide. And, and I'm really excited to chat with you about, you know, again, um, you know, credibility and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I, you know, for us, I think there's such a need in the marketplace. Um, and that's actually where we spend most of our time now is, is helping people balance that scale versus, you know, uh, you know, how can you keep your relationships with your clients and your audience authentic yes. without, you know, this, this kind of this, sales funnel kind of where you're just treating everybody like a number, like nobody wants to be treated like a number. And that's, I think that's another part of it is, you know, giving them a very authentic and warm, you know, relationship 
and, and being able to end it. So, um, hey, Bill, um, would you mind talking about, you have a great tool here and you really got my curiosity. I, I Maybe you can help me. I want to know my cred score. How do I figure that out? So, on our website is what you're referencing. There's, yes. a, there's a way that you can actually, as a, as a company, it's enterprise driven for the most part, mm-hmm. is that it looks at these seven characteristics that come from some original research that McKenzie did back in the 80s. What are mm-hmm. the seven key characteristics of successful companies? And we actually have created a diagnostic where a company can go in, honestly self-evaluate where they are. And cred, you know, is all about reputation. And it's a diagnostic tool to understand your, your corporate reputation. You can do it, fill out the questionnaire. I think, believe it's 20 questions or so. And then it'll spit out a number and we'll compare you to a bunch of other databases or a bunch of other others that have taken it in our database. And it'll give you a sort of a bench line of where do you stand on these seven aspects that are critical into developing your credibility as a corporation. Yeah. Um, so what, what would be some of those things that, that someone would be um, graded on? Yeah. So you, the, the seven S's, they're pretty comprehensive, but it, it breaks simply down into sort of soft skills and hard skills. Um, and then at the very center of it is shared values. Where do you, where do you, where do you, are you aligned around shared values is the root of it. Um, then it talks about systems and staff and procedures that you have in place. Uh, then it talks about sort of a number of other sort of aspects of the company. So it's these seven S's uh, that McKinsey first put together. Um, and it really gives you insight both at a mechanical level, structural level, but it also gives you sort of also an insight on sort of the softer skills. So there's a hard side, a soft side, and then at the bullseye is this notion of shared values. So this is more than just a clout score. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's a lot. You deeper. know, yeah. I miss clout. To be yeah, honest yeah, with yeah. you, yeah, it was net ex- promoter. It's not net promoter. It's not clout. Now, this is very personal, but it goes to an operational level about how confident are you that Joe, your spokesperson, is up to mm. the task. It also says, "Is your CEO up to the task?" Which is a very different question than spokesperson Joe being ready. Excellent. Um, so when folks come to you. Um, are they usually coming to you because they're in the middle of a crisis or are they just like, we want to be prepared for the worst? Yeah, it's about, it's about 70, 30, 70 find us in a moment, in a state of crisis, either Mm. pre-crisis. We know this is going to be a problem. Um, we're in it and we need help. Sales cycles are very short with those guys. Um, and then there are some folks that are immediately post-crisis and that's what we, that's the new frontier for us is that we really want to work with companies that said that sucked. Let's never do that again. How do we get better? Mm. And that's this new frontier that I'm most excited about is this transformation journey, something that we're going to launch in October, um, as a firm that we're really, really excited about is that how do companies, either have a crisis or know that they can have a crisis. What is the transformation to create reputational resilience? So that's the sweet spot. So the answer to your question is 70% find us in crisis, 30 find us in some sort of pre or post state yeah. of crisis. Now, I think the standard advice on crisis comms is have a plan, anticipate every possible thing that could go wrong and have an SOP ready to go. Is that generally the idea or is there more to it than that? There's, there's actually less to it than that. Um, oh. I don't think that. So I, so we were working with a major corporation, major retailer, and I walked into the head of communications office and she had at least 35 one inch white binders 
that covered about four feet on her, um, on her, on her shelf. And there were these binders that was, uh, malfeasance, sexual harassment, data breach, um, plane crash with the CEO data, um, data loss. So she had 35 of these things. They called us and it was crisis 36 that she called me about. It was none of these things built on the shelf that was there. And so I don't think having an infinite number of plans for infinite permutations of crazy things that could happen is the right thing to do. I really think we can simplify it. Um, And I think there are two equations that I look at it. Basically, a crisis is about managing input and managing output. And and there's a lot that goes into managing input. There's a lot that goes into managing output. The other thing is the simple equation. And if all companies would do it, it would really be great is that the key differentiator between good and great is speed. How fast you fill the vacuum in the marketplace. The way you get speed is being really clear about mission and values. What do you stand for? Why are we doing this? Who matters to us Mm -hmm. with chain of command? How do we make decisions? So speed equals the sum of mission and values plus chain of command. And so we articulate to our clients, let's get really clear on that. Let's have some basic protocols, basic communications. Let's write some holding statements that'll get us fast, but we do not need an infinite myriad of white binders stacked (laughs) up on a shelf because if you have 35 of them, I'll guarantee you the one that's going to tag you is going to be 36. So don't have... So let's get aligned on the things that really matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and plus, you know, I, you know, how often are you, if you got 35, you know, crisis plans and, you know, how often then do you have to keep them updated because things change and they're like, nobody does. Okay, let's go grab the binder, blow the dust off of it. Let's see, what did we say seven years ago that we should do if this ever happens? Oh, that wait a minute. Hollow- that is my Halloween tweet or Halloween blog post that I write every year. It's this picture of 35 binders with cobwebs all over it. So you just, that's exactly what you just described is what, <laughs> I, what I do. Absolutely. Uh, Bill Coletti, again, you're the founder and CEO of kith.co. Uh, anything else that, that folks should look for? So I think, you know, we just try to really, as I mentioned earlier, try to be really generous. Um, and and we, I think, look for, we're really excited about this notion of a transformation journey is mm. that I've just seen too many clients um, repeat the same behaviors in a crisis, either pre, pre, during, or post a crisis. We really think that companies can be transformed. And that's what we're real excited to be talking about in the future. And we're real excited to, to work with clients now. We're going to market with it, as I mentioned, in a couple of months. But I think that's the future for us is a future state that we can create reputational resilience yeah. in and around crisis. And so we're excited excited about that. All right, Bill Coletti, again, kith.co, K-I-T-H.co. Thank you so much for joining us, Bill. Josh, thank you for everything that you do. It's amazing stuff. Keep it up. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform 
and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.